Amen. Well, before we get started in God's Word this morning, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to glorify your name. You do reign forevermore. You're reigning now, and you will continue to reign. And I thank you that you reign over my heart and over my life. I pray today that everyone can be able to say that, that they have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer them who lives, but you who lives within them. Father, I pray that you're glorified in everything that's said here this morning. Let it be your words that are spoken and not my own. Give me strength of voice to speak this morning. I pray you speak through me. Let it be your words that are spoken as we talk about the mission of the church, what you're calling us to do here at Hillcrest. So, Father, I pray that you guide and direct us, that every one of us will have a desire to grow deeper in our relationship with you this year, that 2020 will be the greatest year we've seen in our lives. I pray that you'll bless us, speak to us, draw us close to you, and bring glory and honor to your name. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at several verses there in Acts chapter 2. The last several months, uh, the staff have been working together on trying to formulate a mission statement for the church. And what we mean by a mission statement is that it's simply a statement of truth that helps us understand where we are going as a church. In fact, according to Dictionary on the website, it simply says this, A mission statement is a formal summary of the aims and values of a company, organization, or individual. And so as a church, we need to know exactly what it is that God desires us to do. We always look forward in the new year, what is the vision that God has for us as a church? Well, our vision should always come from our mission statement. The idea is a mission statement kind of gives us the points of knowing exactly where God wants us to be at all times. Here's the thing. God has not changed. He has not changed at all. His plan for the church, you ready for this? Has not changed. These same five principles have been since the beginning, since the beginning of the foundation of the church. And so I want you to look with me in, Luke, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. I'm going to read this passage, and then we're going to break it down here in just a moment. But it begins by saying this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted with them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So we will see in this passage five key components that have to be a part of every single church. And that's what helped us formulate our mission statement. I'm going to give you these five key components, but then we're going to break them down one-on-one. In a church, every church should have a desire to evangelize. Every church should be out evangelizing their community. Every church should be out not only evangelizing their community, but their state, their country, and the world. Every church is called to evangelism. Every church is called, number two, to discipleship. Every one of us should be making disciples. Now, that's something that's interesting when you think about it. Because I would guarantee you that the majority of you have never been discipled, let alone have discipled anyone. But every one of us should be making disciples. The third part of every church should be worship. 
Every church is called to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every church is called, number four, to have ministry, to be involved, to serve, to make a difference. And every church is called to fellowship. So when we think about these five key components, we designed a mission statement that is real simple. If you can remember eight words, you can know who you are as Hillcrest. You believe that? Eight words, that's all it will take. And we actually use an acrostic. It's the simple letters of I-N-G. We're going to be investing in growth. That's what our mission statement is. And there's five key components to investing in growth, investing in your growth. What are those five key components? Well, let's take a look at it from the book of Acts chapter 2. And we're going to look at these five key components and understand what God is calling us to do and how we are called to invest in your growth. Number one, we are going to be reaching. You'll notice that each word is going to end in I-N-G, which should make it even more simplistic for you to remember. We're going to be reaching. This is the evangelism part of the church. We're called to reach our community. Look at verse 47. At the very end it says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. How awesome is that, that God is adding to the church daily? And interesting, a lot of people think, well, i got to wait till Sunday to get saved. Or i got to wait till Wednesday night to get saved. Can I tell you something? You can get saved anytime, at any place, at anywhere. It does not matter. You can get saved. You can do it in your home. You can do it at the mall. You can do it at the grocery store. You can do it on your front porch. One day we went out, and we were out witnessing at Liberty University, and we were out knocking on doors. They called it their evangelism day. I remember I went and knocked on this one lady's door, and she came out, and we began to share the gospel with her. We talked with her for a good 30 minutes right there on her front porch. And I said, and after we got through sharing the gospel, she seemed very interested. I said, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now? And she goes, right now? I said, yeah, right now. I said, she goes, on my front porch? And I said, yes, right here on your front porch. She goes, I think I'll wait and go to church Sunday, and I'll go up. And I said, ma'am, you told me your church doesn't even give an invitation. When are you going to go up? When are you going to get saved? You just need to go ahead and do it right now. And I didn't want to pressure her, and she didn't make a decision that day. But I just thought it was mind-blowing that she thought, I can't get saved on my front porch. Uh, let me tell you something, there's no better place to get saved than where you are at the time when God is calling you. This thing, the church said it was added to the church daily. Guess what that means? Unless we have church every day, that means people are getting saved outside of church. And that's just fine. I love the fact that people are getting saved daily. Guess what that means? That means you got to be out there doing it. Can't just be me. We all have to go out there and tell people about Jesus Christ. You want to know how that happens? Well, look over in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I love this passage of Scripture. Acts 1, 8 says this, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both to Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Are you ready for this? Are you a believer today? That should be louder than that. Are you a believer today? Amen. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Ghost who dwells within you. Therefore, if you have the Holy Ghost who dwells within you, you have received power that doesn't come from you. You've received power to do what? Listen to this passage. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. 
Do you understand? Here's the thing that blows me away. We're Southern Baptists, so we're considered to be evangelical Christians. That means we believe in the gospel. We believe the gospel is central, that it is important. But here's the sad fact of the matter. 90% of evangelical Christians will not share their faith. That is unbiblical. Unbiblical. He says, when the powers come upon you, you shall be witnesses. We know this to be true. We understand from Scripture when Jesus called his disciples to come unto him, he said what? If you'll come follow me, he says, I will make you fishers of men. It's not that you will eventually learn to become fishers of men. He says, I'll make you fishers of men. Why? Because once you get a taste, you want everybody else to get the same taste. You want everybody else to know what you know. Let me tell you something. I've seen some of you guys and how excited when you have new grandkids. Right? Have you seen, I, I used to love it when, when they would come out and they'd open up their wallet and that little flap would unfold. You know, it didn't roll down to the floor. And they'd be like, you see my new grandkid? Now you don't have to do that. What do we do? Right? And you just start flipping through there. Let me show you my new grandkid. Why? It's exciting news. And if it's so exciting and the gospel is the best news that we've ever known, we ought to share it far and wide. But look at what he says. Where are you sharing it? He says, you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem. Now, understand, we're probably not in Jerusalem, right? We're not in Jerusalem. We're in Lebanon. That is our Jerusalem. We're called to present it right where we live, right where we're at, right here in this very city. Could you imagine if we reached everybody in the city of Lebanon, what a difference it would make in this city? Then we're called to reach our community. He says, you go to Jerusalem, then to Judea, to Samaria, to other parts of the world. We need to reach Lebanon. We need to reach Wilson County. We need to reach the state of Tennessee. We need to reach the United States. And then we need to go for the world. You see, that's what God is calling us to do, to spread the message far and wide. And he gives us the power to do it. He doesn't ask you to do it on your own. Here's the thing. A lot of people say, well, I can't go out there and share my faith. I'm just too timid. I'm too scared. Can I tell you something? If you'll take the first step in sharing your faith, God will show up in a powerful way, and he will use you far greater than you've ever been used before. There have been many a times I've been scared, especially going up and knocking on doors. You don't know who's coming to the door. You don't know what kind of attitude they're going to have. I've had people slam the door in my face. I've had people get upset with me. How dare you think you're the only way? Well, I think I'm the only way because that's what Jesus said. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. I don't mind telling the truth. You see, we're called to go. We're called to evangelize. So how are we going to invest in your growth? How are we going to help you with reaching people? There's several things we've got going on this year. Our vision for next year, and we're going to be preaching it all the month of January on Sunday mornings. Who's your one? Who's your one? Here's what we're asking you to do as a church. Think of one person that God is laying on your heart. One person you know is not a Christian. Now, I'm not talking about that person who goes to another church, all right? I'm talking about a person who's lost. A person you know that does not know Jesus Christ. One person, and you're going to pray for them all year long. You're going to pray for them 365 days. You're not only going to pray for them, but you're going to look for two opportunities. You're going to look for an opportunity to invite them to church. And the third thing is you're going to look for an opportunity to invite them to Jesus. That's what we're asking you to do. One person. One person. Could you imagine if every one of us in here, and I, I put this, if you got the newsletter, you probably saw it. If half of us did that, this church would be filled up. If all of us did that, Man, I'm going to tell you, I've always wanted to baptize more than 100 people in a year. I want to be up there every week. You want to know how that happens? 
if all of us catch wind and we go reach our one. Man, can you imagine what God will do when we begin to focus on that one person God is laying on our heart? Here's the thing. Some of you might say, well, what if I reach my one in January? Well, go find one more. Man, I'm going to tell you, if you leave one person to the Lord, that's not enough. It's kind of like Lay's potato chips, right? You can't eat just one. You win one to Jesus, you can't win just one. you got to go get the next one. That's the thing. There are so many in our community. We live in a community that over half of the people in the county do not go to church. There are plenty to witness to. There are plenty to minister to. Now you might say, well, Brother John, I don't live in Lebanon. I live in Watertown. Then go reach your one in Watertown. You may say, well, Brother John, I don't work in the same capacity as some people. You may not work with lost people, but you got some lost neighbors. If you don't have lost neighbors, I'm sure you have some lost family. If you don't have lost family, I'm sure you've got some lost friends. We've got people in our community that are lost and need Jesus, and it's on us to go and share the gospel. Who's your one? We also have Sunday walk. Now, some of you may say, well, Brother John, I just don't know about going around and knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't feel like you can talk, that's okay. We'll put you with some talkers like Terry. (laughs) He'll carry you, all right? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know Terry will go knock on a door, and he'll share Jesus with them, and you can learn from him because he loves the Lord. And not only that, but when you feel ready, he'll turn it over to you so you can do it. That's exactly the kind of people that we need leading the way with Sunday Walk. We'll never stick you by yourself. We'll never look at you and go, well, enjoy, have fun, go knock on a door. And y'all walk up and be like, "Uh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm from Hillcrest. Come to church. We'll never do that to you, I promise you. We'll stick you with a seasoned person who knocks on doors, can encourage you and lift you up, and when you're ready, turn you loose. And boy, let me tell you something, it's exciting. We also have VBS. How many of you are excited about VBS? Woo-wee, I can't wait. I love kids, so VBS is exciting to me. Man, that's a great mission opportunity. How about Missions Week in the summer, man? That's a great opportunity to reach our community. How about the fair booth? Going out there and giving an opportunity to reach our community. Men, we've got a missions trip planned for Nicaragua, June 11th through the 16th. Sign up. I want to take a busload. Let's go. I'm ready to go. And ladies, we're not forgetting you. We want to have a mission trip for you. Youth, we're trying to plan one for you. We want to get the message of the gospel out all over the world. There are ways that we are going to reach this world, but we need every last one of you. If you think you're not important, you're wrong. Every one of you in here is important to the mission of this church. So we're going to invest in your growth first by reaching Secondly, we're going to invest in your growth by teaching. Look with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We go back to that passage. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In the apostles' doctrine. Steadfastly. Can I tell you something? We, we are going to teach you the Word of God. We are going to pour into you the Word of God. I pray that every time you come in here, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you will hear the word of God. That word is so much more important than my words. We want to teach you the apostles' doctrine. We want you to grow. We want you to understand who God is calling you to be as a Christian. We want to disciple you. We want to help you understand what it means for you to be a Christian. We want to invest in your growth. In Colossians chapter 1, we have a passage there that talks about this kind of discipleship. Colossians 1 and verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom 
that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. How many of you would love to be completed? How many of you would love to be perfect? Wouldn't it be nice to be perfect? It's not going to happen in this world, but we can work towards that end, right? Our desire is to help you grow, to be more complete in Christ, to look more like Jesus every single day. Now, here's the thing. Let's just be honest. Let's say you come in here and you come to church. You come Sunday morning, you come Sunday night, you come Wednesday night. That's great, but that's not enough. You say, well, what do you mean? Are you going to open the doors of the church every day? No. But you can open this book every day. You need to open this book every day. When I became a Christian, when I was 18 years old, there's two things that happened to me. First and foremost, I went to church every time because I wanted to grow. I wanted to learn. I'd ask a lot of questions. People will come up to me and they'll say, hey, I have a question about such and such. Great. I love to answer biblical questions. You will never bother me asking me a question about the Bible, ever. And they'd come up, and I would go up, and I'd ask questions. I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow. I wanted to get deeper in the Word. And so I'd ask those questions. I'd go to church, and I'd listen time after time after time. But I knew it wasn't enough. So I picked up a study Bible, and I began to read the Bible every single day when I turned 18. Every day I spent time with the Lord. I wanted to learn as much as I could from God's Word because I wanted to grow in my relationship with God. And you should desire the same. Well, you might say, well, how are you guys going to invest in us? How is the church going to invest in our growth and disciple us? Well, I'm going to tell you, here's a couple things. You ready for it? Number one, come to Sunday school. Come to Sunday school. I cannot emphasize enough. I have been to numerous different, I think I've been to over six different Sunday school classes since I've been here right now. And I can tell you, I am so impressed with the teachers that we have. Impressed. We have awesome Sunday school teachers. They are absolutely amazing. And you will learn if you will come. You come in there and they will teach you the word of God. They will go from scripture to scripture and they will talk plainly about God's word. If you've got questions, it's a great opportunity to ask them. Come to Sunday school. We have discipleship training. Now, we don't have it tonight, all right? But normally, discipleship training, Sunday nights, 5 o'clock. We have it for adults. We have it for youth. I cannot emphasize how important that teaching time is. It is a great opportunity for you to grow. How many of you are excited about the Real Bible Conference coming up in March? Woo, I can't wait. Man, six great preachers, three whole days. Man, that's going to be exciting. Men, sign up for the Johnny Hunt simulcast. There's opportunities for you to learn and to grow and be a part of that. We have Bible studies throughout the year. We have Awana. We have men's and women's ministries, youth and children's ministries. Man, if you don't grow here, something's wrong with you, not the church. There are so many. I always, it always blows me away when people will walk out of church and be like, well, I'm just not growing. You ever heard people make that statement? I'm just not growing. Well, maybe the problem isn't with the fertilizer we keep putting on, putting on you. It might be the soil you're in. It might be the bad attitude you have. It might be the unforgiveness that you have in your heart. It might be the sin that you're holding on to. And the growth isn't the church's problem. It's your problem. Just a thought. You think about it. I get so tired of people saying, well, I'm just not growing. I'm telling you. You will be fed here. There's no doubt in my mind. In everything we do, the Word of God is central. You will be fed. So we want to help invest in your growth by reaching. We want to help investing in your growth by teaching. Number three, we want to invest in your growth by praising. Look at verse 47. Praising God. Man, that's awesome. Look with me in Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34, this one is just awesome. 
Psalm 34, we're going to look at verses 1 to 3. I want to read this with you. Listen to this statement. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Man, if you don't get excited about the worship we have here, your wood's wet. Good thing is God can light up wet wood, can't he? You saw it with Elijah. Man, we have some of the most amazing talent in this church. Our choir is outstanding. Our praise band is incredible. I mean, we are blessed. And if you can't worship, I'm here to tell you that usually falls on you. Man, we have some of the most amazing. Here's the thing. You ready for this? We can't just worship God when we're in church. We can't do it. Look at what it says in verse 1 of Psalm 34. I'll bless the Lord at all times. At all times. That means when you're going down the road, you just need to be singing at the top of your lungs. Now, I'm going to tell you, if somebody comes up and says, your preacher's crazy. We saw him with his windows rolled down and shouting at the top of his lungs, singing some crazy song. You say, yep, that's my preacher. That's what you say. Because I'll do it. I've been walking around the church singing, and then I run into Carolyn, and I stop real quick. You know, I bump into, but that's the thing. I mean, when you're praising the Lord, you're just called to praise him at all times. When it comes upon your heart, you sing it out. I don't care where you're at. If you're in the grocery store, I've walked by a lady in Walmart singing praises to Jesus. I just join right in. I love it. The thing is, we can praise him at all times. He needs to be magnified all the time. But here's the problem. We're okay with worshiping when other people are worshiping. But how about worshiping when nobody else is around? How about praising God and giving him glory? We want to help you exalt and glorify and magnify the name of Jesus wherever you're at so that this becomes an everyday thing for you. That's what we want to invest in so that worship becomes a part of your everyday life. You can be a part of choir. That's the amazing thing. You can sing. You can use your talents. You can come and be a part of the services and sing glory unto God. But we want it to become infectious in your life to where wherever you go, people see Jesus in you as you worship and glorify our Lord. But I'm going to tell you one of my favorite times every Sunday morning. We have a men's prayer time at 8 o'clock. I don't miss it. I don't miss it. The reason why I don't miss it is I enjoy that time with those men just praying. That's praise to God. That's glorifying God. We had eight there this morning. We have, uh, I think, 15 or 16 at one time. We've already changed rooms because we had so many in there. I want to change rooms again. Men, this is an opportunity. Eight o'clock, some of you say, well, I got to help my wife get our kids ready for church. Let's just be honest. You ain't helped your wife in 10 years get them kids ready for church. Don't even use that as your excuse. You know your wife does everything Sunday morning. All you have to do is drag them to the car after she gets them ready, right? Don't even try that. Eight o'clock, I'd love for you to show up, pray with us. I'm going to tell you, man, it is the most exciting time. It is awesome. It lifts me up. It gets me ready for services in the morning. I love it. But ladies, here's the thing. We don't want you to be left out. One of you ladies needs to start a prayer time for the ladies. Start one up. We can't pray enough as a church. That's worship. We're glorifying God. We're exalting God. Some of the youth want to get together. You form up a prayer group. Get together. Start praying. What better way can you spend your time praising God than spending it on your face before God? We want to invest in your growth by reaching, by teaching, by praising. Number four, by serving. 
Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. And all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And I know people read that scripture and they go, whoa, 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 brother John. Socialism. No, it wasn't socialism. That's not what it's talking about there. All right? We're not asking you to go sell everything you have, give it to the church. We're not going to break everybody. That's not what that's about. But if you have the ability to meet the needs of somebody, you better meet them. Every one of us is called to do that. If you have an opportunity to help somebody in need and you walk past them, First John talks about it. It's a sin. You're called to meet their need. Well, what does this mean? This means we're called to minister to other people. Look with me in Ephesians 4. Because oftentimes people say, well, Brother John, I, I, I know none of you in here have ever made this statement, have you? None of you have ever said, well, that's the preacher's job. None of y'all have ever said that, right? Amen? I heard one amen. That's kind of scary. That means the rest of y'all have said that. All right? I want you to know what my job is. Ephesians 4. Look with me there. I want you to see this in Scripture. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, you need to look at verse 12, and I want you to look at this clearly, because there's a word in there that actually needs to be a little bit different. The King James gives you another word. It gives you perfecting, but it's actually the word equipping in the Greek language. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, my job, you ready for this, is to equip all of you so that all of us do the work of the ministry. You know it takes every last one of us to make the church run? Every last one of us in here. Because guess what? I can't be watching nursery right now. You know how much I'd love to watch nursery? I love babies. My wife and I, before I became a pastor, we did our duty in nursery. We went to nursery and we served in the nursery until God called me to preach. And then I would tell you this. If you don't sign up for nursery and there's a vacancy, I'll go do that and then you got to come up here and preach. All right? Nursery is great. I love it. There's nothing wrong with going in there and loving on babies. I'm going to tell you, man, you won't find any greater love. Children's church, there's so many different ministries that you can be involved in. But every person is crucial. Every person in the church. If we're not all doing the work of the ministry, we will fail as a church. You know, in Corinthians, it talks about those gifts, and it talks about those ministries, and it says this. It says, imagine if all of a sudden the hand said, well, if I'm not a foot, I don't want to be a part. Could you imagine if all of a sudden your hand just decided to walk away from you? If it just said, hey, you know what? I want to, I want to be a foot. I want to walk. And it just dropped off your arm and just walked off like the thing, right? How many of you would be excited about that? No, you'd have to learn to do something different, right? You'd have to learn to change things up. We had a lady in our church in North Carolina that when our bus had a wreck, the church bus had a wreck, she got out to go check on the kids that were in the car that hit our bus. She went out there, and when she went to check on those kids, another car come by while she was texting on her phone, wasn't paying attention, slammed that lady into the car, took off both her legs, both of them. She was in a hospital for about a month and a half, had to amputate both legs, take them off. She could no longer walk. She got a car. She had to use hand pedals to be able to drive the car. She complained. She tried to get, they tried to get prosthetic legs. It was very hard for her to learn how to walk. 
There were so many things that she went through. Her whole lifestyle had to change. You say, well, why do you tell that story, Brother John? Because I'm here to tell you there are many legs in this church that aren't helping us walk, and we're having to make up for it. And hands are having to become feet when they don't need to be. We end up being a handicapped church when you don't get involved. We end up being a church that has to adjust its ways when you don't use your gift. You see, here's the thing. Every one of you in here has a spiritual gift. I'm going to ask you a serious question. I want you, I'm going to ask you as Baptists to raise your hand one time. All right? I know you're not used to it, right? I'm going to ask you as Baptists. You ready? How many of you know your spiritual gift? If you know your spiritual gift, raise your hand. Boy, that's not many, is it? You know, that's the sad thing is that we don't know our spiritual gift. Now, I'm not blaming you. I blame us as a church for you not knowing. You want to know why? Because we can help you find out what that spiritual gift is if you want to. We have a test that you can take. We have a passions test you can take. And I want you to come. If you want to know what your spiritual gift is, you no longer have a reason for not knowing. I have all the materials so you can find out what it is. You say, well, what is a spiritual gift, Brother John? Well, let me help you understand a gift and a talent are two different things. There are a lot of people that have talents. You receive a talent when you're born. All right. There are some of you that are born athletes. Some of you that are born musicians. And that's not to say that God can't use those as gifts, but those are natural talents that you can invest in. A spiritual gift is a gift that God gives to you at the moment of your spiritual birth. It's something that God wants you to use for his glory and his honor. It's something that God has given to you. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. It's just knowing what that gift is and how to use it. And a lot of times the reason why people don't know what it is or how to use it is because they don't ask. I'm telling you right now, you have an opportunity. You come to me, I will help you find your spiritual gift. Where you can get plugged in, how you can serve, how you can help. Because if everybody is doing their part, this church will function better than it has ever functioned before. But it takes, you ready for this? All of us. All of us. If you ever thought you were unimportant, you are so wrong. Every last one of you is important. We all need to be serving so we're going to invest in your growth by reaching. We're going to invest in your growth by teaching. We're going to invest in your growth by praising. We're going to invest in your growth by serving. And finally, we're going to invest in your growth by connecting. That's the fellowship part. Look at me in Acts 2, verses 42. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Look at verse 46. And they continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. God wants us to connect with each other. God wants you to know each other. Isn't that amazing that God wants you to know the person you're sitting beside of? God wants you to know the person you're sitting in front of. God wants you to know the person you're sitting behind you. God wants you to know the person that's on the other side of the church. You might say, well, Brother John, that's an awful lot of people. Welcome to my world. <laughs> it's a lot of people. But God wants us to connect with each other. God wants us to know each other. God wants us to love each other. God wants us to pray for each other. How can you pray for somebody if you don't know them? We need to connect. It's about fellowship. And I love this. Now, let's just be honest. Look at verse 46. It says, breaking bread from house to house. When was the last time you had a house guest? Boy, we've lost the mindset of hospitality, haven't we? We've lost it. Man, I, I'm amazed as we've been, my wife and I have been looking at houses to buy here in Lebanon. 
Did you know that the majority of the houses don't have dining rooms now that are being built? They have eat-in kitchens for a family of two or three. I told him, we told Mike, we're like, man, we're looking for a house. We need a big living room and we need a big dining room. And I said, because we like to entertain people. We like to have people over. We don't want just our family over there. We want to have other people over. We want people in our house because that's why we get to know them. That's what it's all about. Could you imagine if you start inviting people from church to your house, you might say, well, Brother John, I have to clean it first. <laughs> get to cleaning. Invite people over. It's all good. Man, we start connecting with one another. You start building relationships and bonds with each other. You start praying for one another. I want to tell you, nobody can break that bond. Nobody can tear you apart. That's what church is all about, connecting with each other, getting to know each other, loving on each other. You might say, well, Brother John, how do we do it? How are you going to do that? You want to know the number one answer for connecting in a church? You ready? You ready? Sunday school. You say, well, there's so many people in a church. Good. Get in a Sunday school class. They're much smaller. Learn your Sunday school class. Get connected with them. Talk to them. Get to know them. Pray for them. Love on them. Then after you go through your Sunday school class, then start inviting other people from the church around. Get involved in Sunday school. Church fellowships. I enjoyed Thanksgiving. I enjoyed homecoming. I love eating. Right? Those are great ways to get together. You invite me to lunch, I'm going. You don't even have to pay. I'll just go. All right? I don't want y'all to feel like, man, I invite the preacher and I got to pay for his meal. No, I'll go. I'll pay for my own. Let's just go eat. You see, that's the thing. We got a fellowship. The church picnic. Man, how exciting is that? We're going to have a basketball team, guys. Get involved. Eventually a softball team. We got volleyball coming up. Senior adult ministry. We went with almost 100 senior adults for Christmas. That was awesome. Man, they taught my ear off, but it was awesome. Man, I'm telling you, there are so many ways to connect in the church. We just got to want it. You got to want to make friends. That's funny to me. When I became a pastor, I remember my pastor told me this. He said, you can't have friends in church. That's what my pastor told me. He said, they will hurt you. It happens. Can I tell you something? I've had people hurt me in church. It has not stopped me from making friends in church. Because I've had people outside of church hurt me too. It didn't make me stop having friends. Man, my best friends are in church. I love hanging out with people from church. I love going and doing stuff with people from church. There's nothing better. Connect with one another. You might say, well, nobody comes and shakes my hand. When was the last time you went and shook somebody's hand? You got to think about that. I tell my kids all the time, you want to have friends? Be friendly. You can't sit there like a lump on a log and everybody expect to come to you. You might say, well, Brother John, I'm an introvert. Well, we will exercise the demons if we have to. <laughs> Just be friendly. Just smile. You'll be amazed at a smile, how it'll change people's outlook about you. Connect with one another. You see, that's what church is all about. So these are the five ways. So all you got to remember is eight simple words. When people ask you, what's Hillcrest all about? You can say, we're all about investing in growth. By reaching, teaching, praising serving, and connecting. How easy is that? I-N-G is all you got to remember. And everything else falls into place. You might say, well, Brother John, I didn't get all that. That's okay. 
I, I actually printed up my sermon notes. They're back on the back table. You can pick them up on your way out if you want them. Absolutely. You want to know why? Because I want you to remember. We're having banners made that are going to have it on there because we want you to remember. We're about investing in growth. We want to see you grow more than you've ever grown in 2020. We want to see this church grow more than it's ever grown in 2020. We want to see God move like he has never moved before. I want to see God adding to the church daily. And he will if we get involved. What areas of growth do you desire in your life? You see, here's the thing. We can present this all we want. We can talk about it all we want. We can put up all the banners we want. We, I can preach on it for the entire year. You go through all of that. But the question is, are you in? Are you in? Because it, we need every last one of you. Now, here's the thing. Some of you may say, well, Brother John, you just don't realize I'm, I'm old. I've heard people say, I'm old, and I've done my time. Do I need to tell my story again? But the lady told me she had done her time. If you're still breathing, you are needed. Youth, children, I know we got children in here this morning. A lot of times they don't think that they're important in church. Man, I love it when you guys come up and sing. We've already talked about getting you up here more. Amen. You don't know why? Because you guys can lead the way in worship a lot of times that we adults need to learn from. We really do. Isn't it amazing these kids got up here and not one of them looked timid or afraid while they sang? And then the nativity scene, oh, my goodness. That was precious. Man. You see, here's the thing. Everybody is important. Everybody is needed. And if you don't think you can connect and get involved here, then we suggest you go connect somewhere else. But I can tell you this for certain. You are needed here. We will plug you in. We will help you grow. The only question is, is where are you? Are you all in? Because if you're all in, man, I'm telling you, this year will be your greatest year of growth, just as it will be mine. I hope and pray that you'll be all in. Amen.